Today on the Vergecast, Heim Gartenberg and Julia Alexander join us. We talk about the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra review, a whole bunch of Apple rumors, including a VR headset, and the state of streaming in 2021. That's coming up now on the Vergecast. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking, so why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it. You're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business. It's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello and welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of Remosaicing. That was Dieter's. That was Dieter's joke. That's mine. Yeah, Dieter's here. Hi, Dieter. Hi, I'm. Uh, well, you, you're you're everybody's friend. Yeah, I'm the free dark mode option you get on your WordPress template. That's good. Everybody wants a dark mode option. We'll get to that in a minute. We've got some uh, guests today. I'm Gartenberg is here. Hello, and Julia Alexander's here. Hi. There's a lot going on. I before we started recording, I said it, it is at once a very quiet week in our corner of the news ecosystem, but it is also a very dramatic and news-filled week. So we're going to try to mash the things together. As always, I will start with a COVID update. Uh, If you're listening to this and you do not know that Joe Biden is the president, I'm very worried about your news consumption habits. Like (laughs) straight up, just listen to me. I'm worried about you. I want you to know that. But Joe Biden's the president, which means the nation's COVID plans are changing very rapidly. I think as we're talking, he's signing yet more executive orders. That's just what he's doing on his first two days. So he already has uh, indicated that the United States will not withdraw from the World Health Organization. He has signed a mask mandate. You have to wear a mask in federal buildings and in federal properties. He's talking about expanding that mask mandate. He has moved quickly with a plan to deliver 100 million vaccination shots in his first 100 days. Because the vaccinations are in two doses, you can get lost in a spiral of the first shot and the second shot and how many people actually get vaccinated out of the like fully vaccinated out of those 100 million doses. But 100 million shots is the plan and then how it will be expressed in terms of people vaccinated yet to be explored, but it is uh, a big move. Also, we CNN reported today that the Trump administration had really no plan uh, for vaccine distribution, which, yep. to be honest, I believe now there is some plan. So just a lot of COVID-related movement immediately from Biden. He said that was his priority. Amazon came out. They sent a letter to him saying they would help with vaccine logistics, which if you're not being very charitable, you would say, well, why didn't they offer to help Donald Trump? It's a very obvious question. The answers have been reported out. They apparently offered in some soft way. They were rebuffed by the sort of chaos of the Trump administration. Also, I would note that uh, Donald Trump ha- hates Jeff Bezos. Deeply. 
<laughs> I think that just kind of went nowhere, but uh, kind of a, a big move. It was a letter, you know, very forcefully saying we have all this capability. We'll help you. I, w- I will tell everyone. I still believe this. It's still true. COVID is the biggest story in the world. It is still the driver of almost everything else that is happening in, in, in one way or the other. We are going to keep covering it. We're going to see- keep doing COVID updates at the top of the show. We're going to be just as hard on the new administration as we were on the previous one, although I expect the level of chaos will diminish. Um, so it'll be good to be hard on like consistent policy decisions as opposed to, uh, you know, TikTok banned by tweet. It's just very nice to think that that, <laughs> that kind of thing won't happen anymore. But um, uh, we're still going to cover it. Our science team still doing a great job. Other Biden stuff, new president, lots of new people in the works. Uh, Jessica Rosenworcel, who has been on the Virtuous before, one of the characters that we've covered very closely as we've uh, been covering the FCC for years. She's the new acting FCC chair. There's a lot of rumors about who will become the officially appointed FCC chair. But for now, she's the acting FCC chair. She's very focused on broadband access and the homework app and net neutrality. We'll put a link. Uh, McKenna and I interviewed her over the summer, actually, on the show. So we'll, we'll put a link uh, somewhere so you can listen to that. That's really interesting. Uh, Biden also said uh, the United States will rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement. We've got some coverage on that and what that actually means. He canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. He said he's going to use the Defense Production Act for masks and vaccines. He's just doing a lot of stuff. He doesn't have a Congress behind him yet, but he's got uh, a bunch of executive actions to put out. So we're going to cover all that stuff very closely. Our policy team, I will tell you, uh, they're very happy to not be in reactionary mode. Right. There's a bunch of new people and new plans to cover, and they're not necessarily reacting to tweets. So lots of you there. Once again, my you know, my commitment to everyone is very tough on this administration too. Oops. Lastly, Dieter, I think there's a there's some website news here that I think is of critical yeah, everyone's importance. Very excited about Whitehouse.gov. Uh, there's a, there's a request to go work for them if you want to in the in the source code. If uh, you remember that web pages let you look at the source code, which is a thing. Uh, and it has dark mode, but everyone was very excited about the dark mode and like their fonts and the new icon. But uh, immediately everyone pointed out that it, it has dark mode because it's just WordPress. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's real good. That's our head notes. That's the, those are the big stories in the world. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I can't figure out how to segue them into the Galaxy S21 Ultra review. Those are the big stories. Here's a big phone. There you go. That's pretty good. So Dieter, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, but you have the S21 Ultra. You did your review this week. What's going on? Big phone. So when the round of hands-ons went up, uh, a bunch of people were like, is this redemption? And I was like, this, there's no way. Uh, yeah, Samsung did it. Like, the phone is really good. <laughs> they fixed all of the things except for what might arguably be might be the most important thing, which is what Samsung thinks software should be and do. But the hardware of the phone... I am very hard-pressed to knock it in any way, shape, or form. The only possible thing that's, like, worrisome about the hardware is the phantom black finish might be a little delicate. Like, we managed to scratch ours. Did we get an answer on this? Not yet. We asked. We, you know, told them it's scratched. What the heck? And I haven't seen that. You know, so it's it's one of those. So we'll see. Jerry rig everything. I'm sure we'll get one and put a, you know, get tell us what the most score is on it. And then that will cause a whole nother round of excitement. But like the important stuff, uh, if you don't get the Phantom Black one, is the screen's incredible. It has the, uh, what's it called? The L something something OLED that lets it do dynamic refresh rate along with the Snapdragon 888 processor. So it can go from 10 to 120 dynamically. It's big, 6.8 inches. It has a little bit of curve on the sides. It has the same Samsung color tuning, but setting it to natural makes it fine. Uh, it's like, it's the best screen. Like, yeah, it just is. Now, 
Looking at it right next to an iPhone 12 Pro Max, you will detect a difference in color temperature, and especially on whites. I think Apple's a little bit cooler, and so it might be just a little bit more uh, you know, accurate in that way. But Apple doesn't have a high refresh rate, and the, the color temperature difference is like so subtle that I would argue it's a it's a matter of preference rather than a matter of like full on accuracy. Also, like all of these phones have slightly different color temperature variations from literally phone to phone. The phone to phone. Like yeah. you and you, if you had ten iPhone twelves, they would have a slight amount of variation. It's like that to me is always the one where I, I will, people ask and I want to tell them an answer, and I'm like, this answer doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Also, it does it does the 120 hertz at the full resolution this time, which is that is correct, fantastic. And it's 3200 by 1440. I just turned it on and went with it, um, and it did not. Uh, I mean, it obviously affected battery life, but it, uh, I didn't have a problem with battery life. Uh, there's a couple of reports that some people may not have had great battery life, but most people I'm seeing are like, "Yep, you'll get through a full day easy." I was getting through a day and a half easy with like. Heavy usage. I mean, it's a 5,000 milliamp hour battery. like Right. And the 888 is more, should should, should be, be more power efficient than the 865. Obviously, you know, I'm not running the kind of voltage <laughs> tests I need to do to actually test that. Yeah. But yeah, the thing lasts all day for sure. And like into the second day, no problem. Clearly, Samsung is, is no longer slightly afraid of putting too big a battery in these phones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's a huge phone. The Note was huge. Yeah. Okay. Compared to this, but I just like it's it's good to see them get their confidence back. Yeah, that's fair. So the screen, Samsung notable for its extremely vibrant colors, very bright. Samsung, as far as I know, like lives in like HDR ten plus world mm-hmm. and not Dolby Vision world. Does it support like when can you watch Netflix and HDR on this thing? Is it just HDR ten? I think it's just HDR ten. I haven't gone and like stared at HDR and all the video apps. Video looks better on this phone than it does on other phones. They've increased the peak brightness in HDR to 1500. Last year it was 1200. But yeah, if you want to if you want to throw down on me whether or not all of the video apps have all the Dolby Vision lights, uh, I will I will run out of the ability to answer that pretty quick. I suspect they're running in HDR. It's just notable of all of the specs, right? Like with this phone in particular, Samsung's like name a spec and yeah. then you say anything number of cameras and they're like we have the, the the most of those right like that's this phone and then in this one little corner there's like no no information yeah well there's there's two corner there's two specs that are not here one is uh expandable storage via micro sd it's gone and i think it's gonna land with like everyone's gonna be like shrug uh everyone like i'm like oh i'm sad and like there is the point that this thing will let you shoot 100 megapixel photos and take 8k video so maybe expandable storage isn't a terrible idea but that's gone and then the other thing that's gone that's notable is uh, MST, and I forget what I'm at, magnetic something, something. It's the thing that lets them use credit card readers when there's no NFC, uh, and so that's out. So I don't know. Like Both of those are the sort of thing that felt like it was going to happen eventually anyway, and this was the time for them to do it because alongside... Uh, you know, this new version and the new fixing the cameras and blah, 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 they dropped the price like across the board. And they achieved those price drops in different ways on the different models of the S21. I think on the Ultra, it was the card reader. It was MST. Um, it was, you know, they're reusing a lot of the stuff they did. They figured out last year, honestly. Screen um, is a hair smaller. Screen's a tiny bit smaller, yeah. It's point point one inches smaller. You could argue they did the thing that Apple didn't do, which was they took the AC adapter out of the box and also didn't charge you for it. Whereas Apple took the <laughs> AC adapter out of the box and left the price basically the same. Yeah, but you have to pay 
because you have to pay for square sides. And it's much, <laughs> it costs $29 to square off the sides of the phone. Well, the reason I bring it up is, you know, we're going to talk about the cameras at length, but Apple does shoot Dolby Vision. Its screen is good at that. It's very hard. Like, once you've got the Dolby Vision file on your iPhone, mm-hmm. if it ever leaves your iPhone, like, you don't have a Dolby Vision file anymore. Like, that's how it has played out. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's very yeah. difficult to share that thing, but it looks great on your phone. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it, it's, it's Samsung isn't just competing with like that aspect of it with their big and beautiful screen. So basically I'm arguing with you saying it's the best screen, not because of the screen itself, but because of this other capability that I've come to really enjoy it with photos and videos on the iPhone. Right. I would counter uh, with high refresh rate is 10 times more important than Dolby Vision support in video. Like it just, it's, it just is. Uh, it's great. I'm with theater. It looks really good. Uh, one thing I'll note, as long as we're talking about looking at things on the screen, I looked at a bunch of the photos, especially the low light photos on the phone itself. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. And then I like went to go look at the comparison on my iMac, which has an LCD screen. I was like, these don't look as good. Um, and they, I asked Samsung about this and they were like, yeah, we, we definitely, OLED is our primary thing that we tune for. That's that's what we aim to make our photos look good on when we like tune the camera and blah, 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 blah. Um, and you can see it in the shadows where on an LCD, it just, it shows a little bit more noise, whereas an OLED, it can, it actually has better range in those darks. And so it's, I don't know if it's, I don't know if more forgiving is the right word, but it looks better on a OLED screen than it does on an LCD panel. Yeah. We kind of hear this from every phone maker, right? They know that the place you're going to look at the photos is on their screens, because the screens are small and bright, they can get away with a lot of things that a larger screen is, it's harder to do. The OLED versus LCD thing is like, I, this com- it's in every review, we, this thing happens. We take a bunch of photos and then we look at them on a neutral display. So like, that's the best comparison. Mm-hmm. And then those displays are always LCDs. Yeah. Like that's what computer monitors are. There are very few OLED computer monitors, I think. Uh, or none. I think there's actually none. No, there's a TV. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but like we get, we look yeah. at everything on like nice LCDs, and that's like where the the like there's the one comparison, the big objective comparison: how sharp is the photo? How much detail did it kill? How much the noise reduction smooth everybody's faces into oblivion? Mm-hmm. I think the thing you're talking about is Samsung photos look incredible on Samsung displays. Yeah, they just they they always have. It's, that's actually never been the question. Right. If you if you any almost any Samsung phone for the past five years, if you take a photo and then look at it on the phone, everyone is always like, that's the best photo. And it's because the display is so bright and so good. And then you take it off and something else happens. Looking at the photos you took in your review, I see the I see the like the OLED is is helping in the shadows thing. But I, what I really see is Samsung has met the iPhone's level of quality and then their little decisions on the margin of where their processing is going to work. Yeah. They have leaned into how good their screens are and the fact that everyone's going to to look at their screens. And so the photos are like a little bit worse, but they know that they know their hardware is going to overcome their software, which is like the most <laughs> Samsung thing in the world. The the thing that I also wonder is uh between Samsung and Apple in particular, how much are they thinking about what Instagram is going to do to the photos when they when the people just that's where they put their photos, right? When they get processed by Instagram, are they trying to like, I don't know, tune their photos defensively so that it looks better on Instagram once it's up or not? It's just impossible to know. Instagram is a really interesting case, right? Because the Instagram 
camera itself is not the camera. Well, on on the Ultra, though, Samsung worked with Instagram to make sure that Instagram's camera would pull and support more of Samsung's native processing out of its camera app than on other Android phones. Because famously, stories on Instagram look like garbage if you shoot them with an Android phone. So Samsung's trying to fix that. Yeah, but but for like even I think now the standard Instagram camera is the video camera Mm. because they want you to they want you to be able to hold the button down and shoot a video. So when you open the camera on Instagram and just like take a snapshot, you're just grabbing a frame off the video camera. Yeah. And like, in the like, what's your if you're defensively tuning your camera for Instagram? Like the first thing you do would be like, hey, your camera isn't even using our camera. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not even that's the video camera. I we've asked this question in so many different ways with the phone ca- companies. Do you care about the platforms that people actually use? And I all kind of say yes. And I, it's just after all this time, don't you think the answer is really no? Like. We constantly ask them if they care about YouTube when they ship video features. And they're like, we, we're talking to YouTube. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> like, look at YouTube. <laughs> I feel like it's the same with Instagram. And Instagram is like becoming like a DSLR zone anyway. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, I feel bad posting photos on Instagram. Yeah, do. it's all stories. Yeah. Julia, when was the last time you posted to your grid on Instagram? Um, on my birthday, I took a really great selfie while tipsy. <laughs> I decided to <laughs> <laughs> rein in my birthday with that so uh two weeks ago oh there you go um i just forget and now i'm like uh promoting decoder on my grid so my grid is just like a wall of yellow text which (laughs) i feel like if any instagram designers are looking at my grid they're like this is not what we made this for design that was uh, you mentioned the design you're like intrigued by it i really like the design like the camera bump is the big change and they just like glued it to the rail and it just kind of flows out from the rail now and it looks good in a way that camera bumps on phones haven't for like a very very long time and especially compared to last year's which is just really ugly do you remember on the iphone 6s apple showed a photo of the phone on their website that was angled just so to hide the tiny little rail of a camera bump that they had yes. added mm-hmm. to it that year and we like did all this freaking like geometry to check to see if it was angled in a way or if they had actually photoshopped it out and you know that went away but when camera bumps first started getting big every time it would happen we would all be like oh this is weird looking but okay i guess um and then we stopped doing that but fundamentally most camera bumps are weird looking they look (laughs) weird Um, and it wasn't until i was like looking at the ultra when they did actually tried to make it integrate into the body of the phone in a way that cohered a little bit more. Um, that was like, oh yeah, like this actually looks good. And the stuff that I'd been like taking for granted was normal actually is still weird. The yeah. iPhone camera bump is weird looking compared to this thing. Yeah. And like the ultra is a little weirder looking than the than the smaller ones just because it's so much it's got so much stuff, but it still looks good in like like the iPhone one doesn't. It's it's like, why is there a giant square on the back of my phone now i really i continue to believe the iphone is designed to be put into a case yeah Uh, absolutely yeah and then it kind of doesn't matter right like i think apple knows it they're like we'll make it life easier on on our somewhat mediocre case designers and then the other case designers in the industry like right like (laughs) apple's case team is like their cases are fine they're not great especially like all the bank safe ones but i like the samsung like the rail like apple's leaned into their bump in one very sort of Johnny Ive isn't there anymore, but it feels very Johnny Ive to me. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna take this ugly thing 
and then you're going to love it. Yeah. Like, it's so ugly that you're like, that Apple's done it again. <laughs> it's the purest camera bump that has ever been bumped. And Samsung's <laughs> like, what if we try? And like, they're different approaches. I appreciate it. Let's talk about these cameras here. There's five of, there's five holes, but four cameras. No, there's five cameras and six holes. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't think I'm a person with fear of holes, but every time I look at this picture, I'm like, what if I was a there, person with a fear of holes? There's five holes on the back. So you have got the the uh, ultra wide, you've got the 108 megapixel main, you've got the 3X telephoto, and you have the 10X periscope telephoto. And then the other hole is the laser autofocus. And there's a flash over there too. And then the front, you have a 40 megapixel selfie camera that uh, I think because I, I had to I had to like do the math on the megapixels, but it's like 6.5 megapixels on the on the front by default. But you can't take 40 if you want. So the camera system is five cameras, one on the front, four on the back. And the big question was last year, the original S20 Ultra was supposed to be Samsung's giant swing. We are now like in the fight with everybody else on having the best camera. And it just wasn't. Uh, it had <laughs> focus issues. It um, it did super wacky things with um, color uh, and face smoothing. Uh, face smoothing did not get better with the Note 20 Ultra. Uh, they fixed the autofocus with a laser, um, which this S21 Ultra continues, but they still oversmooth faces. I dubbed it the ham cam. And so what they did this year is they have a new version of their sensor. I think it's an ISOCELL HM3 or something. It's the second generation of this 108 megapixel sensor. They continue to use their laser for autofocus for things that are nearby. Um, and they say that they have updated the re-mosaicing process, so taking the binning the 108 megapixels down to 12. Um, but uh, when I asked exactly how, it's a little bit unclear, lots of hand-waving. And I think maybe just as importantly as that is they've also taken advantage of the extra speed and I think image processing they can get out of the, the Snap 888 to do a better job of grabbing in uh, multiple images or data from other lenses when you're using a different lens to like make the image better. So they're just doing a slightly better job than before at combining a bunch of images into giving you your final image. I don't know if they're quite up to the levels that um, Apple or Google are in that regard, but the hardware, because it has that larger sensor, um, has made up for a lot of the deficiencies that they had last year. The hardware plus like fixing some of the tuning in the software. Um, so I think this thing is on par with the iPhone 12 Pro Max in the majority of situations. And then once you start getting to the edge cases, it's like 60-40 iPhone. So in the Pro Max review, I, I was like, I think all these cameras look the same now. Yeah. Maybe I was just like depressed at the state of the world and like review. Like, there's like a there's like a better than fifty percent chance I was like, well, nothing matters. But you know, I try. I did my best. But they all are starting to look the same to me, right? The the phantasmagoric fan Samsung look and the overly blown out or like highlight destroying look of the like they've all just kind of leveled back to photos should look like photos. Yeah. What do you mean by at the, like the margins or on the edges? Like, where are they different? So Samsung, because it likes to make things a little bit brighter, uh, Apple's Apple learned from uh, Google and is allowing more contrast and more shadows to exist. I think it has more confidence in its ability to render dark things well, um, where Samsung is just brightening things up a little bit. And I don't know if that's a lack of confidence in dark things or if it's uh, just that they know that 
you know, like you look at Marquez's photo challenge every year and the brighter photo always wins no matter what the actual quality is. I think Samsung really believes that too. So it's always a little bit brighter, which in some situations is great. It actually like, oh, that, that worked out better. And in other situations, it's just like, yeah, you didn't need to do that. If you had just let it be a little bit darker, it would have looked better. Um, so in those cases, I think that uh, the iPhone can, can tend to win. Um, I do think that uh, they make slightly different choices in, in just like the dynamic range and their contrast of what they choose to let be bright or let be dark. Um, and sometimes they're a toss up. But yeah, like it, like trying to systematize where exactly one wins and the other falls down. I would have to say that I think the iPhone is still doing slightly better in like night mode in low light. But that doesn't mean that Samsung's doing a bad job. Samsung's doing a better job than it ever has before. Uh, but I think I slightly prefer the way that Apple handles things like neon and, you know, light shining in the lens or whatever. Um, they both have the dot effect, but Samsung's are a little bigger. I don't know what that's Of like. course they are. <laughs> Samsung's like, we read this iPhone review. I could complain about the dots in the video. We should have bigger dots. It's like you didn't, you missed it. That wasn't what we said. I went out to try and get the dots to like get it in the video, but it was the day that there was a, a huge wind advisory in the Bay Area, and the <laughs> phone like blew out of my hand, almost almost dropped it. So I was like, nope, you're not. I'm not not doing this. <laughs> going back. I almost got hit by a Christmas tree that was like flying down downtown Oakland like a tumbleweed. This is what I do to try and make good reviews. It was did mess. you did you like loudly yell anything for the gram at that <laughs> moment in time? Like you're, it's the obvious move. Two zoom lenses. Useful, not useful. Shockingly useful. I was full on ready to be like, this is dumb. It's not dumb. It's great. The ultra beats the iPhone every time on Zoom. Uh, up to like basically every time, everything. Um, because you get optical at three. And you get optical at 10. And then in between 3 and 10, it can, you know, combine data grabs from like those different zoom lenses or crop from the main sensor or whatever to give you something that's pretty sharp. And then once you go beyond it, you're in like space zoom land. Um, and, you know, it's a mess at 100. At 30, if you have good light, you could maybe get something you'd be willing to post. But, uh, yeah, turns out like an optical lens uh, is better than uh, digital, digital zoom. And uh, having... Two of them means that you can do more things in that, like in that range. You don't have to re resort to cropping in on digital stuff as soon as you do the other way. Yeah, Dieter. What Dieter sent sent out like a a Lightroom album, and like you click through it, and you're like clicking all the photos, and I got to like Dieter test zoom lens part of the album, and it like it's that meme of just like getting progressively closer and closer to something. Yeah, and by the time it's it's just like a smear of pixels that makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, why would you ever use the 100X? Like, it was very funny. I was like, I'm living in a meme. Like, yeah. I'm just getting closer and closer to this waterfall, and it's getting less and less intelligible what it is. Yeah. Um, it's good. And what else? Uh, video is good. We like what they're doing with sharpness. We like what they're doing with... Um, they, it. When A couple of years ago, Apple really touted its video ability to adjust exposure on the fly without having to cut like as it moved from like a bright to a dark spot by just panning through it. Samsung has figured that out. Uh, it's able to do that now pretty well. We need to go and we'll probably do something in the future, like really actually like go in on 8K and can you actually grab a good still and can you like do a full crop on 8K video? Um, it's just like you get through the review, you're exhausted, you don't, don't want to deal with the camera again, but like it's time to like actually talk about whether or not 8K is worth worth it on a phone like this. You can also do this director mode thing, which locks it at 1080, but it lets you switch between lenses on the fly. That's cute. It's fun. 
I have a question for yeah. the room. Okay, so because I've been plagued by this thought ever since Apple commercials play like every f- Sunday for during football, showing like people making movies on their phones. Are the mm-hmm. cameras being designed for normal consumers now? Or is it like the idea is that everyone's making a movie on their phone? Because like, I don't know how to use my camera other than portrait mode, which speaks to my narcissism. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know how to like do anything with it. And every every commercial, what you're saying about Samsung, it just feels like it's for professionals. They're trying to do both, and often that means they don't do either well. I think that Samsung is focused a little bit more on doing stuff for professionals. Like their camera has pro modes for photo and video built into the camera app. It's actually, there's a million settings and buttons. You can get lost very, very fast. It has this thing where it can dynamically adjust your frame rate if you want it to, so that it like it can, I don't know, do some stuff with frame rate. It's like, Nobody wants everyone like every pro wants to lock the frame rate. What are you doing? Um, One thing about having all those pro options is it means that if your auto option isn't as good, you can just be like, yeah, but the pros use the pro one. So it's fine. You know what I mean? So to me, the answer is they're trying to do both. Uh, Samsung leans a little bit more pro than than Apple does in its camera app because Apple has a good third party ecosystem of like professional video apps on, on the iPhone. Android has a much smaller, we'll call it, ecosystem of professional video apps <laughs> on Android. So yeah, I don't know. That doesn't answer the question. But like it's aspirational, right? Like right. you want to buy the thing that makes you believe you could shoot a video professionally, even though we all know that you're never gonna. Wow. Not you, Julia, like you. No, I never. I, although I did text a friend and said if I threw my iPhone in the air and left it on record, would that be as good as a Chris Nolan movie? Because it couldn't be worse. <laughs> well, you have to run it backwards and forwards at the same time. And you have to cover the microphones and yell on the other side of the room, and that's the dialogue. I assume Chris Nolan would die before filming a fo- filming a movie with an iPhone. No, the next iPhone is going to shoot IMAX, and he's going to be like, <laughs> finally, it's my time. But that was the thing about the Apple commercials and, and you know reading your review with the Samsung stuff. It was just like, oh, this is super targeted to people who are making movies, and how many people are making movies on their no, iPhone? Everyone's making movies. Yeah. So my everyone every time Julia's on, I feel like I tell her what's on my TikTok algorithm. <laughs> so right now it is people crashing Ford Rangers to a song called "Fucking Ford Ranger," which is just a guy singing. It's not a real song. There's just a guy who has like a Ford Ranger song that he made up. Yeah. Isn't that a real song? No. All songs are made up. It's all songs are a guy. <laughs> but it's not like a produced song. Like, it's just a guy, like, clapping and talking about Ford Rangers. If filming a video with your iPhone counts as a movie, then <laughs> this guy recording an audio track for TikTok is a song. Haim is joining the creators team. <laughs> yeah. Wow. This got very uh, tangentially expansive. <laughs> we'll be back after this break with more on what is a song. Uh, okay, so there's that. But then there's always people like showing off things you can do with a camera, right? Like the upside down slow motion through flowers is like a TikTok meme. And I would just like, it's not you're making a movie to put in theaters, but everyone is constantly shooting movies and everyone is constantly like, there's some subset of the people who just shoot the little joke of themselves or like themselves dancing. And then some fraction of that people of some fraction of that group wants to do more. And if the camera rewards them by having the capability, then they're going to use it. And like, I just see that feedback loop developing really fast. So I think it's much less about technically it shoots in Dolby Vision or 
technically it's 8K or variable frame rate video, which sounds completely bonkers and very Samsung and much more about at some point camera features become memes. Like that's how I'm thinking about it lately. The like the little video that's like, did you know you can do this? Adam Asari was on was on Decoder this week and he was talking about Instagram threads, like their little messaging app and how threads was the number one app in the app store over Thanksgiving because it auto captions videos and bleeps out swear words. So people were using threads to make video and then putting it on TikTok. And the app itself became a meme. Like the feature became a meme. This is what Apple wanted with clips, and I tried to help them, but uh, no one, no one <laughs> really likes it. But I love clips. <laughs> Every now and again, Dieter Slack is like, there's clips news. They called me. I'm like, because they didn't call anyone else. <laughs> clips will have its day. It's kind of like another way of saying what Dieter's saying. But like, I, just, I, I think these features are all there if you want to use them because everyone shoots video now. E- everyone is a video maker, which I think is cool. The very complex and advanced video editing tools that get used in TikTok are not the classic like camera settings tools, right? And so these phone companies will give you the classic camera settings tools because it's aspirational of like you could be a pro. And what everybody actually uses are like the social, interesting, complex video editing tools that are built into TikTok. Samsung does have this thing called single take, uh, which is like you just hold the shutter button down and it just records a video. And then it tries to use AI to like pull out like funny GIFs and like the right still moment and whatever, you know, the, the, yeah. But they're trying. Shooting a Samsung single take thing is, it is like the riskiest. Yeah, because the photos come out terrible. Like they're lower quality photos. (laughs) You're like, I would never use this when it's actually interesting. Yeah. It feels like you're giving, like, you know, the plot of the Terminator movies is like the machines are intelligent and they decide (laughs) to wipe out humanity. Uh Uh-huh. It that's what you think single take feels like. What? Like like you you're just giving me, you're man. just giving the weapon systems over to the machine, <laughs> and what it's gonna do is destroy your memories, <laughs> because like that's what it's designed to do. <laughs> like you're like oh this is a good argument against AI. Like yeah, this is gonna be a TikTok trend in like two <laughs> weeks when when people get their S twenty ones. It's like look at what you can do. Did you see um? In the midst of all the Capitol riots and the, you know, all those people were, were just on social media full out. There was a tweet that went around that one of the rioters Facebook had made an auto video <laughs> about like our year together. Oh, no. <laughs> it was just like him with his militia buddies. Oh, it's like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't let AI do that all the time. OK, we need to take a break. We'll come back and we're going to really we're going to get into what is a song. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work. So whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn. It's even easier to use. And because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back. We're not time. Time's like lit up. He's like ready. Um, yeah. What's a song? What What is a song? This is, I was just having this argument with with my partner because oh it was God. like, no, there's like a TikTok trend of like, what's your favorite song from a movie that's a fake song? And it's like, just because it's in a movie doesn't mean it's a fake song. The song exists. So it's still a song. You are on the exact same TikTok. I love it because we'll send the TikToks to each other and it's on each other's front pa- for your page. And I get angry about it too, Haim, because they're all real songs. They're just in yeah. movies. Yeah. I'm with you. And that concludes our section of what is the song with Ivan Julian. All right. There's a bunch of Apple rumors to talk about. So German and there's other rumors as well about MacBook Pros. Cool. Yep. Quo. They're going to ditch the touch bar. Yes. They're going to have faster, faster M-series processors. They're going to bring back MagSafe. And then Sports. there's this line. There's this line which I cannot comprehend. You will need fewer dongles. Yeah. Which is like, are they going to put USB-A ports on it? Is it one HDMI port? Is it an SD card slot? Please. Or will they just have fewer ports so that you can physically use fewer dongles? Like many ways to interpret that line. Or there'll just be like more USB-C and then there's more USB-C accessories. I'm, I mean, one, I'm I'm really excited to to find out what they say about getting rid of the touch bar. That'll be fun. The MagSafe though, I don't know. I, I have... I have my doubts. Remember there was that patent where there was like a, a MacBook charging an iPad, charging an iPhone, charging an Apple Watch, <laughs> charging uh, AirPods or whatever it was, um, or the other way around. Uh, maybe that's the, it'll have MagSafe as like a way to charge your phone, yeah. but you won't actually get the proper MagSafe connector. That's kind of like what seemed more likely to me. I don't want old MagSafe back, and this is going to be... A, I like USB-C. I would really like Apple to to not end this beautiful four-year run of using the same port as everyone else by switching back to a proprietary port. Mm. I mean, the answer is that they're going to modify the USB-C spec to support magnetic charging connections. People have done that, though, and it's bad. Like, the, the way you do that is you just have, like, a dongle that you stick into your USB-C port, and then it's like a breakaway magnet thing, and sometimes it comes out. It's just not good. Like, So my Windows laptop, it came with its own barrel charger, and that's what you need to use if you're actually going to game with it. But you can charge via USB-C if you're not doing anything too intense, and it'll, it'll work. It's just slower. What if Apple... Brings back a MagSafe connector. It's a proprietary version of USB-C, and then they don't let you charge via the other USB-C ports. I think Apple, with its MFI standards and you know money that it makes off every charger that it will sell, could do that. Like this would not be the first time. <laughs> I think the more interesting. I mean, we'll see. Like, here's a bunch of mysteries, but I think they know the Touch Bar has not done what they want it to do. They don't even really defend it when we ask about it. They're like, well, some people like it. Yeah. Um, and it's not like they've done a bunch of touch bar innovation. The ports thing is interesting. I could see them adding an SD card slot to these machines. It is like, an, particularly on the high-end pro machines, it's something everybody wants. MagSafe, like, hit or miss. But I will say, um, 
depending on how how these M series chips go, they were already like pushing the limits of what a power adapter could deliver to the Intel chips in the existing 16 inch MacBook Pro because mm-hmm. it's it's 97 watts that it needs, and there are actually not a lot of docks that can support the 16 inch MacBook Pro and drive other power. So like they were already up against a pretty big limit of what USB C could do. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll change with USB 4, though, because USB 4 will have higher time. <laughs> It'll have higher things. <laughs> Is USB 4 a song? Yeah. Sing a song about USB 4. No. If you wait long enough, USB C will eventually get there. I know I've I know I've been saying this for half a decade now, but it is we're we are just around the corner for real this time. Yeah, and they're gonna rename it to like USB 3.1 generation four. Like I know how this works. Anyhow, but like the new processors might need less power. Right? Yeah, that's just right. like a thing because of the M series chip. So I think there's a lot there, but what I say more broadly is they're going to change the design. That's the other part of the rumor, that they're going to redesign the laptop entirely, which if you will recall the Intel transition, they redesign nothing mm-hmm. until yep. the updates were complete. But I think that they, as we knew, found out with the MacBook Air review and the, the Pro review, they're so confident in these chips that they're not baby-stepping through it. I right. mean, I think the baby-stepping through it was, was that first wave. And like if that had gone badly, then the next MacBook, the the big 16 inch would look exactly the same and they'd, they'd keep going slowly, but like it worked. So. Yeah. But I mean, they also, <laughs> Neil and actually had this argument. I was like, oh man, they're, they're not, they're not going big. They're just, they're starting with the air. And he's like, yeah, the air is the best selling MacBook of all time. <laughs> no, that's, they sell more of those than anything. So keeping the same design is, it, it's a, it's a weird combination of safe and bold, right? Like they would not need to instill some sense of confidence that people might get by sticking to the same design because nobody has confidence in the current design. Yeah. Oh, the, the, you mean the 16 inch MacBook Pro design? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I also think they just like hit such a home run with the air that if like, right, what are the outstanding questions here going to be? Does it have a fast GPU? Yeah. Is the battery life longer, even though the processor is so much more capable or should be so much cap- more capable? We'll yeah. find out. But I think, but I think it's exciting that there the rumors they'll change design. But it's also the same for the iMac rumor that they're going to change the iMac. Kind of the same general rumors, but this iMac design I'm looking at one right now is so long in the tooth that it is starting to confuse people. Like <laughs> I have family members who uh, have texted me. You know, we're all at home. And they're like, I have this old iMac. What can I use it for? I'm like, how old? And they're like, 2011. <laughs> And I'm like, that's pretty old. That's 10 years old. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we just want to set it up and, you know, use it to watch TV. But the Wi-Fi is really slow. And I'm like, well, the Wi-Fi card is 10 years old and it isn't very fast. And they're like, well, it looks brand new. I'm like, because it looks the same. Like, <laughs> if you have a 10-year-old car, you're not like, it doesn't go as fast as new cars. Like, b- because it looks the same, it's like literally starting to confuse people that the old ones are old. And the yeah. new ones are, are meaningfully better because they completely look the same. So I'm excited they're going to change the Mac. And these bezels, I'm looking at them now. Are, I mean, uh, this is the same as the, as the G5 from 2006, barring a change from plastic to aluminum. This, I think, I think the iMac chin design is the oldest like hardware Apple has that it sells. That might be true, actually. I can't, I can't think of another like laptops. They've updated every four or five years. The other desktops have been updated. 
Yeah. Um, iPhone, iPod, like they haven't used a core design like this for as long as they've used that Mac one. Maybe like the Bluetooth magic keyboard. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I think that that came out with this stuff. But here's the, the question is really like competition, right? Like as with all things, like name another all in one design that's pushing Apple to update the iMac. Whereas with laptops, like there's like good, meaningful, they have to look cool. Well, there's the Surface Studio. Yeah, but but that would that would require Apple thinking that uh, there should be a touchscreen on a computer. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's how you sell the touch bar, though. Yeah. We we got rid of the touch bar because we the whole screen is a touch bar now. Oh my god, it's coming! I like it. It's going to hit when USB 4 comes out. <laughs> I'm really interested to see what they do with the Mac Pro because the rumor is they're going to maybe do another Intel one and they're going to keep the big design, but that they might do a half-size one that I think uh, the current quote is um, feature mostly aluminum exterior and could invoke nostalgia for the Power Mac G4 Cube, unquote. Uh, the Power Mac G4 Cube, I would uh, point out, was a notorious failure. They sold none of them. Uh, and Steve Jobs, his quote, when they shut it down, he laughed and said, we're putting it on ice. That was a real Apple press release. Power Mac G4 Cube yep. put on ice. And like Captain America, it is returning 50 years later <laughs> to save the... God. <laughs> oh, and it's a cube. Maybe they'll do a Marvel tie-in. They've G4, got like a Disney... G4 oh Cube never dies. I think there's one upstairs here. I like. I think that's interesting. I think the question is like, what is the market for that? They have a Mac Mini. So it will yeah. be a Mac Mini with slots? It's the M2 Mac Mini. If the Mac Mini is is the same as the laptops, right? Then you have the new higher-powered laptops. So this is the desktop that goes with it, which sort of makes sense to me. Yeah, I buy it. We'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited to just have new Macs. Like, they're finally redesigning all these computers. I think that's super exciting. This next one... Like, man, just a lot of Apple rumors this week. Yeah. This seems completely unsurprising to me. They're prototyping foldable iPhones. Yeah, of course they are. should. I kind of, I don't know. We'll see if they ever, that's one of those technologies where Apple will not be early. There's that. And also just look, I, I mentioned that uh, the, the S21 software has ads in it. Bixby still bad. Like Samsung is not great at a bunch of things on software, but you know what they are good at? Recognizing that you have a big screen and you want to do lots of things on it. Um, the S21 is easier to hold than the iPhone 12 Pro Max, and uh, you can have a split screen on it, and it works fine. It works pretty well, in fact. Um, you can have like app pairs in your little sidebar if you want to. It's all complicated to figure out, but like once you kind of get it, you get it, and you can do more stuff. Samsung's attempt to get soft Android to work well on a folding phone has been slightly less successful. So to me, it's not just will Apple wait until there's like a good screen that they think can fold that will work for this thing. It's can they get the software right? Because they haven't gotten the software right on the big iPhone 12 Pro Max yet, frankly. The only company that has like the the company that has the best idea for what to do in this zone is actually Microsoft with the Duo. They just like duffed the execution for many reasons. Apple could release a folding phone tomorrow. I don't know if I believe that the UI metaphors from the iPad would translate well to that kind of thing. Wait, no, but no, there's like a threshold question here. Is it a razor style fold where it's a small thing that opens to a regular phone size or is it a galaxy fold tile fold where it's a phone that opens to a tablet? Apple only makes small phones once every five years and then they, everyone's like so excited and then Apple realizes that nobody bought them and then they, they like put it on ice. Like that was the iPhone SE that appears to be the story with the iPhone 12 mini. 
um, which I have and I love, but I don't think it's selling. Uh, there's a rumor it's not selling well. I've heard that rumor at the 12 Mini. I thought the first SE sold really, really well. The first SE was also really cheap. Yeah. The first SE was a, was a $400 phone when the next cheapest iPhone was like 850 Yeah. I just I think it's more likely they do the phone that gets big rather than the flippy razor thing. So looking, yeah. looking at the Bloomberg rumor, I think it's it's small that goes big. Like it like German says it's it's they're looking at a number but the main one that he calls out is one that unfolds to be the size of a 12 Pro Max. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think that's very far away. Like just based on what we've seen from everyone else. Okay, last big Apple rumor, another German scoop. As we know Apple's deeply into AR, which to me completely feels like a gimmick, but their first product, German says 2022-ish time frame, a high-end VR headset that will be very expensive. And not sell well, but is like the ecosystem kickoff moment for Apple. I don't know. I'm like, do you buy this? I buy that Apple would be working on this. The idea of Apple releasing, you know, a bad product, which this sounds like, like super expensive, super early on, doesn't feel like Apple. Like at least traditionally, Apple's general philosophy is come late and do it better, not come early and do it worse. Like traditionally, like they are late to things and then they're like, ah, but we have done this super like foldables. They're not going to be the first with a foldable. But if they do, there is at least, you know, the implicit thing, you know, that Apple took its time and figured out how to do it really well and let other people make the mistakes like a giant VR headset that Apple's worried is going to be so heavy that it's, you know, using fabric and, you know, has a fan doesn't sound like the kind of like, you know, revolutionary AR product or VR product. Also, just like, what would you use an Apple VR headset for at this point? And maybe that's to figure it out. So I just bought a Quest 2. I'm like super high on it. Dieter knows I'm super high on it. Uh, I'm being quiet through this whole thing because everybody knows, hopefully by now, that my disclosure is my wife works for the team that makes the Oculus Quest. So get out of here, Dieter. Bye. (laughs) Are you playing Beat Saber? Beat Saber is great. I'm playing a little bit of Beat Saber. We bought it because I read the Kevin Roos article in the Times about an app called Supernatural, which is a like a workout app, which is basically like Beat Saber, but faster. And it's very, it's super fun. I think uh, Virtual listeners know that uh, my wife, Becky, does not care for my gadget habits. She loves the Quest 2, loves Supernatural, is like doing guided meditations in Morocco and VR upstairs all the time. Th- this product exists. It's complete. It works. It has an app ecosystem. Uh, Supernatural, the workout app, is 19 bucks a month. Like, a lot of people pay for it. That's a lot in a relative sense. Like, this is not a blockbuster product. But it, this is like an operating division of Facebook that has an app store. Like, it's. I read this Apple VR news, and it's like, do they not know that the Quest 2 exists? You come out a, a year from now with a gigantic, heavy product that has a fan that costs vastly more than than the competition yeah it's like 2.99 on sale with the quest 2 it has to do something that the quest 2 doesn't because the quest 2 is like a fairly underpowered qualcomm processor running android like it very much is a display technology showcase like they made a 90 hertz display that doesn't give you motion sickness underneath that is basically a slow android phone and like I can I can see how like Apple stuff could slot in. You know, you have the the games ecosystem. You could get people to make good VR games that, you know, work on on VR iOS. You could get, you know, Apple Music and do like, you know, concerts and stuff. Uh you could do Apple Fitness. This the you know, stuff kind of naturally fits sort of if you look at it. 
But it's just like Apple's VR efforts through no lack of trying and AR efforts, through no lack of trying. Like they show them every year, you know, the iPad has the, the LiDAR sensor, the new iPhones have the LiDAR sensor. They, there's practically always an AR VR demo at all of Apple's, you know, keynotes for the last four or five years. But there's no killer app yet for this. Um, and like a lot of the the killer VR stuff is like gaming stuff on really high powered gaming PCs, which if Apple is going to try and compete with, it's Apple. They don't compete on high-end gaming stuff because no one makes games for them. Yeah, I just, I think this is more of an AR headset than a VR headset. That's what I kind of yeah. what I'm getting at is we, we know what like a at scale good enough VR headset looks like. There is no reason for anyone to have to wait a year, especially at Apple's ability, like capability set. You don't need, an, they don't need another year of development to basically take the guts of an iPhone put it into a thing and say it has an app store and called a day, right? Like that's, that's what the quest is. You need to do something way more that demands like they, one of the German's lines is the processors inside are faster than the M one processors in the new Mac. Why? Like they have to be doing something with all that horsepower. I think they're making an AR headset. That's a VR headset, right? Like they can't solve the core problem of overlaying information onto glasses and making that product small. So they're just making a giant product with a bunch of cameras and like having you move through the world with a giant VR headset on. That was my next question of if all that is, if that is true, what is the logic? Like, like what's the driving motivation? Like where's something that's bigger and heavier that has a fan. You're going to be walking around in your grocery store with your, your fan hat wearing away. Uh, you're wearing this, you know, weird thing, but you look at the you look at the fruit and it'll tell you, you know, that apples are in season uh, as you're walking around with this giant, super heavy fan equipped, you know, supercomputer on your face. AR augmented reality has to has to work in reality is is the thing. And if if it's this big, heavy, you know, AR VR headset like. You've missed that point. Plus, if if we're going to be wearing masks for a very long time and they have to figure out how to stop the fogging issue, if you're out and about and wearing a thing, there's just things to take into account. I'm just looking like if you just add up all of the compromises that are being described. By the way, this thing could never come out, right? Like, yeah, it's a year out, so we don't know. But if you just look at all the compromises that are being described against the already existing refined scaled product. They have to be chasing some capability set that is way farther away from the existing good product, right? So the, the Quest 2 is an existing good product. They have to be chasing something that requires a fan and a battery and a high price. And that just has to be like real-time video processing in AR. And I, I, I think they're just trying to like goose their own ecosystem. Like they can't wait until the glasses are ready because that's like six hardware generations away. So that was that was my thought, though, is is the only way this makes sense to me is an early product of the sort that Apple doesn't do is that this is one where you have to have the content first. Like you can release an iPhone and have it just be a very good, you know, feature phone, which effectively the original iPhone was. It was a good feature phone with a browser and you can get the apps later. But VR is so content based you need stuff to do and stuff to see in VR and AR arguably also like if there's no if there's no good fitness program, if there's no Beat Saber, then you just have a screen with nothing to to watch on it. Like a VR headset at the end of the day is is a better screen. It's not really a better device. It's not a new type of, of device. 
So you need to have the stuff to put on it. And maybe this is how Apple gooses that. But which is what they've been trying to do with their phone ecosystem this whole time. And so maybe they just need to turn the corner. We'll see. It's it's out there. We got another we got another year of rumors. All right. I miss Dieter. So we're going to take a break and come back so Dieter can talk to us. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. We're back. Julia, we've made you wait patiently, but it's your time for streaming chaos. I didn't get to make my AR joke, which was really good, which was what that was Apple can take advantage of the sea shanty moment and release Apple Arg. It's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you, Dieter. <laughs> Disclosure, but it's pretty good. Dieter's like, I need to disclose <laughs> my wife works for Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to disclose that I, I like that pirate joke. That's That's my disclosure. Oh, my God. All right. Julia, it's like we're in another earnings moment. We're hearing from some of these companies. There's new streaming services just left and right. Give me a just give me give me the state of the state. Quick rundown. Netflix has passed 203 million subscribers globally, which is pretty impressive. Um, and this year to celebrate because when they passed one million, Reed Hastings had a meal at Denny's, but he could not go to Denny's this year. He's the co-CEO. So he had Denny sent to him. At his house, so we could celebrate 200 million subscribers. Do we do we know what Denny's meal he got? Did he get a grand slam or what? No. I can't remember. I know he tweeted it, but yeah, but that was a fun moment. So they passed 200 million. They're pretty happy. They're gonna be. They're gonna basically be out of debt by the end of the year. They're gonna be cash flow positive, which was something people did not expect for them. So um, Netflix is in a very good place. For any doubters out there, Paramount Plus is about to launch. Paramount Plus is your current CBS All Access. But when Viacom and CBS remerged in 2019, time is, I can't remember, 2019, uh, CBS got all their good brands back. So now they're relaunching their streaming services, Paramount Plus, because they think Paramount's going to play better with the teens. Can I, can I, I'm sorry to stop the rundown, but what's plus about it? What does plus mean? And there's Apple TV Plus, there's Paramount Plus, but Paramount, like I know Par- Paramount Studios, but like what is the plus? The plus is going to be news, sports, and then Viacom brands. So you're going to get Nickelodeon, BET, MTV, Comedy Central, a few other things. Uh, but what that actually means is more confusing because Viacom, CBS's entire plan is to like license out a bunch of their stuff, which is why if you look at Netflix top 10 weekly um, kind of rankings from Nielsen in the U.S., I could go on a whole rant about Nielsen ratings, but if it's the only thing we have to look at. So if you look at it every single week, Viacom CBS dominates like it's what people are watching over and over again. And so they keep licensing to Netflix. It's a lucrative deal for them. They license South Park to Warner Media, which is why it's on HBO Max. They license out a bunch of their other stuff. So what you will actually get on Paramount Plus exclusively, I do not know. We know you'll get uh, football games that air on CBS. They'll be on Paramount Plus. News from CBS will be on Paramount Plus. I would imagine I will put it out there that Top Gun 2 will be on Paramount Plus the same day it's in theaters. Uh, or Top Gun Maverick, whatever their name oh, is called. God. 
That's how they're going to get me. Like, I've done such a good job of not signing up for CBS All Access. It's like the only one that hasn't gotten me yet. And now I got to watch this Top Gun movie. <laughs> but then you can you can go back and watch Picard. There, Picard was, the, was the good. Star Trek stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Discovery's. I haven't watched any of it yet, but yeah. You know, Picard's fine. There. I'm waiting. Discovery's doing pretty good. Lower Decks. Okay. Oh, man. Discovery almost got us the, this weekend. We are, We were just like, man, we need another like unicorn chaser show. We need like something like that's just very non-stressful. It's like, oh, what we need is like home renovation shows. That's what we need. And there's only one place to watch home renovation shows and it's on Discovery's channel. Discovery channel. There's like, that's it. That's, you cannot. Anywhere else. There's like one guy on YouTube fixing a farmhouse and everything else belongs to them. Do you know what's so funny? I was, I think Discovery Plus will do well. I think Netflix thinks so as well because they listed them as a competitor pretty early. They're like, they're listed in Netflix's official letter to shareholders as as a competitor. Um, and it took them a while to list other companies. Like it took them a while to list Fortnite and YouTube and, but they have, and now it's like Discovery is entering. Can, wait, can I just point something out here? I am pretty certain Heim was referencing Star Trek Discovery. That was. Yeah, it was great. Like 100%. Oh. And just because it's any noun, <laughs> we started talking about a streaming service with the same name. Like, that's what happened to us just What's now. the difference between a word and a song is what I want to know. Literally any <laughs> word. And you're like, oh, that's a streaming service. It's $17 a month. <laughs> I was like, how did we get here? And I realized what happened. Anyway, you like continue. No, I, that was great. It's also like when you watch your parents have two separate conversations, but they're like going, like they're having a total normal one, but they're talking about two different things. Wait, what's the difference between Plus and Max? Why doesn't H- why is HBO Max and not a Plus? Okay, so the thing is, I've had many conversations with like CEO executives about this exact thing, where I'm like, why do you have a Plus? Because it ruins our, it ruins it for us, CEO, like SEO wise. Uh, like it's like we have to figure That's out if we're adding Plus or a Plus sign. Uh, the idea is that so plus is this brand plus more is the idea. So if you were like Disney plus, it's Disney and then some. The HBO mm-hmm. Max thing was just a bad branding decision, in my opinion. Should have been HBO plus or something without a plus. They could have gone the NBC route and just named it Peacock. CBS should have named their new streaming service All Access. They should have just left it as All Access. Take out Viacom, take out CBS, take out Paramount. <laughs> These brands don't mean But anything. they had to get away from CBS's brand yeah but i think the main issue was cbs it wasn't the all access although all access is also an entertainment uh show news show uh so <laughs> then there's that whole issue when you're googling seo comes into play i see okay so the the plus implies that there's more so it's like there's like an unstated thing that comes after it yeah. it also implies you're paying for it i'm calling it in 2022 they're all going to switch to like dot 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 it's going to be hbo ellipsis <laughs> HP Ellipsis is actually a great name. That would be fine. <laughs> Can they just all pick one and just all use it? Well, so here's my like larger question about this. Netflix is like a very good app. Great app. Like they clearly have hired software developers and designers and product managers. Importantly, they appear to have hired uh, user testers. Most of the other apps are very bad. Like just down the line. Peacock does not um, doesn't support rewinding and fast forwarding on my Apple TV. I don't know if that's true for everybody, but in in this house we don't rewind Peacock. Can't do it. <laughs> Just can't be done. I've tried with every remote we own. It's a well-known fact that the peacock, the bird, is unable physically to walk backwards. So it's a metaphor. It's, it's to recreate that, recreate that classic TV experience before before. <laughs> 
watch the office like they did back in the day. I've tried opening the remote app on my phone. We've switched it like just every way we can. We're like, I would like to fast forward 10 minutes and we just can't. It seems like somebody would have caught that. Walt Mossberg is constantly tweeting that the Peacock app crashes on his iPad. Yeah, it's the worst. Like he he's like firing bug reports into the ether. But I, I think I have to disclose that Peacock is made by NBC, which is owned by Comcast, which is an investor in Vox Media, which I, cl- I promise you that they didn't pay me to trash Peacock on the- <laughs> <laughs> HBO Max, just a pure mess. Like just just the messiest app. It's so upsetting because it's the best streaming service, like in terms of content. It's like got the best TV shows and movies and it just does not work as an app. And if your streaming service doesn't work as an app, then it's not a service. It's a problem. And they, they but it's impossible to find things. And they made the big deal about uh, Wonder Woman in 4K and like kind of didn't work. Like you had to watch 10 to 15 minutes of Wonder Woman in like 360p and then maybe it would like buffer up like just a bad app experience. If it makes you feel better, Eli, Wonder Woman 1984 just doesn't work in general as a film. So. <laughs> it's, I mean, it is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Like, now she's a kitty. Like, what? So confusing. Um, my sister and I had, like, a, all too long text chains about whether cheetahs were apex predators after that movie. Like, that's what we were like, this is the problem we've decided to solve today. But it's like a bad app. Yeah. Like, I don't trust that Viacom is going to deliver a good software experience. I just don't. No, I don't trust either. I mean, I the one the one app that I keep coming back to over and over again because it's owned by one of the wealthiest companies in the world is Amazon Prime Video is by far the worst experience I've ever had in my life with anything. Like Mm -hmm. trying to do anything on Amazon Prime Video is terrible. And I've like spoken to sources who are like, they just don't care. Like Amazon Prime Video exists because if you buy food and then you're like, I'm going to watch a thing, you're going to watch a thing. But it's it's if you're Netflix takes the idea and they say this a lot in their kind of corporate um, speak whenever they talk about it. They like the fact that they have their headquartered both in Los Angeles and Silicon Valley. Like that's a whole thing for them where they're like, we think a lot about our product and we think a lot about our content and how we can meld the two. Others don't like Disney bought BamTech and was like, we're done. <laughs> like We're just going <laughs> to launch it on here. And it's a whole issue. Uh, Hulu has had issues for a, a while and Disney's like seemingly not invested in Hulu very much. Uh, <laughs> it's 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 bizarre. And again, like the people are going to stay on your app if they if things are being recommended to them and it makes sense to them and they are having an easy time with it and they enjoy using. It. And if not, there's way there's more than enough services for people to go and find something else. Well, we just always talked about right there. The cycle here feels like all of these companies were wholesalers to cable companies. Yeah. So the cable companies buy the content. They would own the interface. That is obviously blown up with cord cutting. Now they're all making their own apps and effectively paying Roku to be on their box. But at some point, aren't they all going to realize like, oh, we suck at making this app. Like this app is holding people back from paying for our content because they cannot fast forward. I think there will be two things that happen. One is that they realize it's uh, a lot of the entertainment companies that are figuring out how to exist in a tech oriented space are going to realize way harder than it looks. I'm going to give them a much bigger appreciation for other companies that do it well. Uh, And the other thing is that they're going to realize that the recurring revenue they're bringing in through monthly subscriptions or the advertise or the additional ad money they're kind of getting through targeted ads is not what they expected it to be. And they can make way more money licensing their IP. And then you get and then that will lead to a few big players who will come in and grab it and be like, well, 
Netflix doesn't need to buy any more product stuff, so it's just going to keep buying IP. I mean, their co-CEO, Ted Sarando, said that this week. Disney can come in because they'll be fine. We'll come in and buy product stuff that makes it better for them. Same with, you know, Apple and Amazon can come in and be like, well, we just want this to run better. We can buy someone who has the better technology for it. You know, actually, Amazon Fire, Amazon Prime Video works better on Amazon Fire TV than it does in any of the, the Amazon TV apps. Like it's like on their native platform, it's actually just a little bit better. But you're right, it's garbage. Does it rewind though? <laughs> uh, it might, might rewind. I don't know. I'm watching Orphan Black, and it took a, it took the the app like a week to figure out that I wasn't on season eight, that I was on season two. Every time I'd open, it'd be like spoilers. Ah, move the thing. The reason I really want to talk to you, Julia, is so after Paramount Plus is now launching, like we're done for a minute, right? Like no more new services. Like Roku's buying Quibi stuff. Like. Like the the stage has been set. Like we know who the players are now, right? Like, are we done? Yes and no. I think we're done Damn with it. the. I think we're done with the major players. The people who are. I mean, if you're going to get into it now, you're way too late. Like we were saying. I mean, two years ago, we were saying Disney's late to it, right? <laughs> but like, and they were like, they were kind of late, and they came to it, and they figured it out very well. Congrats to all of them. But so I think in terms of, are you going to see a major American? conglomerate come out and be like we're launching a streaming service no are you going to see a bunch of consolidation over the next three to four years 100 percent. and is that going to change products is that going to lead to total revamps is that going to lead to potentially getting rid of streaming services and and launching them into something else yes like i think that's what's going to happen way more and more importantly i think in countries where they can't expand into you'll we'll hear more about you know disney partnering perhaps maybe with a chinese company to get some form of disney plus into china and then that's kind of a whole new thing which gets into interesting territories for me <laughs> when i like to think about <laughs> it um but yeah in terms of like for a u.s based audience specifically are you going to have to are there other streaming services you're going to have to be like got to pay attention to this probably not so we shouldn't expect anything to go 90 so much as we should expect things to be absorbed i don't know what the like how did that, what what is that on the go 90 scale i don't know if, like how that works it's 90 it's 90 if you are no longer running your service and now you work for apple you, you've gone 90 a lot of them are taking bets that their brand is uh, will resonate <laughs> paramount. And like, and it's like, yeah, you can say that teens really want a making of the Godfather movie series. Like, sure. But I bet you if you ask them if they want that and, you know, or like young adults, people who have money to spend uh, or are watching a lot of things consistently, if they want to watch that or a second season of Bridgerton or The Mandalorian, they're, <laughs> they're going to go elsewhere. But a lot of them are expecting that because they have a kind of brand that makes sense, they can launch these streaming services, whether they're ad supported or not, uh, and they will see the recurring revenue that others are. And I just don't think that's true. There will be three or four that are fine. My bet is personally is that all access uh, HBO Max, Disney, Netflix are fine. Amazon and Apple are in a different boat because they're they're they have streaming services, but they're not the main product. Like they're doing their own thing, and they've got like a trillion dollars, so it doesn't matter. Like they can just keep spending. And then the other ones, I think you'll start seeing them figure out. They'll go back to licensing stuff, and they'll kind of be like, "We're just going to sell our stuff off because it makes us more money." Yeah, I feel like we haven't talked about Apple's service, which isn't really a service. It's just like. It feels like some shows you can buy that show up on the Apple TV. Like, they extended the free trial for like another six months again, <laughs> which goes to show the confidence they have. In it. I, the Apple TV interface—it's what we use. It's what we have. Just one of the most upside down 
Like it's getting it. The core ideas they had for that box are getting farther and farther away from reality. They need to figure that out. Um, especially if like us, you watch a lot of TV on YouTube TV because the Apple TV does not, it does not want to acknowledge that YouTube TV exists. Yeah. Just spend the 80 bucks or whatever it is and just buy a Chrome Chromecast TV with Google TV. Just, just like, just try it. It's so good. It's, it's the best one. And it's pink. So you want me to impulsively buy a gadget? The remote has real buttons. And if the thing, if you hate it, then you then like you still just have a good Chromecast that does 4K attached to your TV, and you haven't lost. One of uh, you know, uh, one of the. I'm an older married man now. If you're gonna mess with that TV interface, you're taking you're taking the whole fi- family dynamic into your hands. You got to be very careful with this. It's. <laughs> so much better though. The physical buttons are like what sold it for me, honestly. Cause like so many times I've fallen asleep on an Apple TV remote and then it's just been chaos. <laughs> it's like the, it's just so sensitive. But the, the bigger story I think it's gonna happen, which is super interesting, is now that the theatrical window is almost non-existent, right? So the limit the period of exclusivity a movie had to play in theaters before it can end up anywhere we're going to see a lot of changes happening with streaming services. Like for example, I think so Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan is apparently very unhappy with Warner media at Warner brothers. And he's looking to leave and do his movie somewhere else, which is very big news. And if I was Apple and I had the money to finance his movies and kind of give him what he wants, which is a bit of a theatrical play and then be the exclusive digital home to Christopher Nolan movies. Like that's not a bad bet. If I'm Apple. Uh, and I think we're going to start to see a lot more of that type of stuff. You'll see Netflix kind of swing in and Netflix finally realize like, Hey, if everyone's getting this shortened window deal, like we're more than happy to put movies in theaters, like for three weeks, that's fine. And then now they are a big player in the theatrical space. It like, that's going to be a really interesting kind of change and shift. And we'll see more movies premiere simultaneously on streaming services as they do in theaters around the world. And it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how people respond to that because theaters are not going to die. But I think now there's, it's there, there's no going back from this moment. It's like people want options. If Apple gets exclusivity to Nolan films, I just want to be in the room when the HomePod engineers are forced to sit with him and tune the audio to his movies I want to sit in the room when they have the fight over whether it's going to have Atmos or not, because Nolan <laughs> Nolan famously won't use Atmos. But he won't use it because he's like, I need the sound mix to be perfect. And then you like listen to his movies and it's like, no one can understand anything. As Christopher Nolan intended. You can't tell if the dialogue <laughs> is bad if you can't hear it. I think if you're Apple and your entire brand is we create things for artists to create, which every commercial reminds me that is what they're supposed to do, like being the home of talent uh, that require very expensive movies like Martin Scorsese, like Christopher Nolan, who need a lot of money at a time when studios are like, where Paramount, you know, Paramount's like, well, I don't know if I can afford to make a Nolan movie and then not have ROI guaranteed. Like, nope, it's why Disney's making a bunch of Marvel movies. Like, pretty sure we're guaranteed ROI. It's fine. You go to a place like a Netflix, an Apple, or an Amazon who are like, fine, we don't care. It's like, it's we just want talent. Uh, and I think that, like, that's going to be an interesting shift when pe- if things move away from Warner and Paramount and Sony to an extent. All I'm saying is that I watch Tenet with captions. Just putting that, ener- putting that energy out in the world. But like, when, you, when I sat down, I was like, okay, cinema experience, light up the... It light up the home. Th- like we're doing it. And then like five minutes in, I was like, Boop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> it was great. All right. We've gone way too long. I just want to call out one story 
It's called A Visit from the Zune Squad. Julie, I think that was your headline. No, I think that was Kevin's headline. Well, Luke Winky is a freelancer wrote for us uh, about the extremely hardcore community of diehard Zune fans who still use and listen to their Zunes. If you're a Vergecast fan, this story was made for you. I'm very, very happy to keep the Zune dream alive. And I will tell you that Joanna Stern is so mad at us that she's not in the Zune story. Oh, no. Because turns out, diehard Zune fan, Joanna Stern. She's like texting at Luke, or texting. She's like uh, tweeting at Luke, like you didn't include this, this, and this in your Zoom story. And he's like, I'm done now. Like I don't. This was a one-time thing. Like, <laughs> the Zoom HD is great, and I'm still mad that someone robbed my Zoom collection in college. Well, if that person's out there, that's the personal essay follow we need on the Verge. I want that story. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming for you. All right, we gotta wrap this up. You can tweet at us. We love hearing from you. Dieter is at Backlon. Haim is at Seagartenberg. Julia is at Loudmouth. Julia, I'm at Reckless. Tweet at us. We want to hear from you. Decoder this week was with Adam Asseri from Instagram. We got a good one coming up. Marquez Brownlee. Ooh. I didn't ask him about technology. I asked him about the business of being a YouTuber. So that's coming up on Decoder very soon. Uh, and that's it. We'll be back next week with more Vergecast. It's a whole it's a new day in America, but we're also at home. So it very much feels like the same day in America, but it's a new day in America. That's it. Rock and roll. Wear a mask. Thanks to Canva for their support. Canva wants to make your presentations come as easy as those thoughts that pass through your head. And thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.